Welcome back to Something Private, a podcast for Southeast Asian women by Southeast Asian women, exploring conversations around health, the self, community and love. My name is Nicole and I am your producer and host. So one thing we set out to do this season on Something Private is to feature stories from across Southeast Asia a little more. There are so many amazing individuals in our part of the world doing really interesting and amazing things that deserve to be in the spotlight. One of these individuals is Malaysian celebrity chef Ili Sulaiman. So I was first introduced to Ili by a friend who watches her videos on the Asian Food Network and proceeded to stalk her on Instagram. Immediately, older sister vibes. Ili is super fun, warm, extremely cute, and she was very candid and open about some of the conditions that many women struggle in silence with polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS for short, as well as endometriosis. Now, if it's your first time hearing about it, these are actually women's health conditions that are extremely common, but also extremely underdiagnosed because of a variety of reasons. Many of times, women suffering from these conditions are brushed off as having emotional outbursts or they simply think that it's not painful enough to seek help. So on this episode, Ili and I discuss her conditions, PCOS and endometriosis, her journey as a celebrity chef, and how you can identify whether these are some of the conditions that you might be experiencing as well. Hi, I'm Ili Sulaiman. I am based in Kuala Lumpur. I am 36 years old and I am a food host on Asian Food Network and um, I am also a foodpreneur here in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I run Dish by Ili, which is a platform sharing uh, recipes and so on and so forth. And also Ili Pot Steamboat and Grill Delivery Service. I could say a blanket that I've always been very passionate about food. Um, Food has always been kind of the constant um, thing that makes me happy. So from very little, you know, my very, very first memories of, uh, of mine were always in the kitchen or eating something or even my, on my travels, I remember places based on food. But, you know, as you grow up, you don't really realise that this is something that you can make a career out of. And I really didn't think that um, I would go into television. It all happened because I started my food delivery business back in 2014. And then I started getting all these inquiries about how do you make this recipe? How do you clean fish? And, you know, I had all these questions from my customers. And then I thought, oh, why don't I just put myself on TV and answer this question so that, you know, if one or two people are asking it and I'm also wondering sometimes then what's the best way of doing it? It's just put yourself on TV. And that's when I entered um, Asian Food Hero Talent Search in 2015. And then I won, which was a shock because I never thought that I would get that far into the competition, let alone win. And I guess after that, you know, uh, a series of uh, opportunities uh, presented itself. So from uh, being a food hero winner in 2015, um, obviously my food delivery business in Tiffin Carriers um, 
was expanding very quickly. And then I started up a social enterprise at that time called the Aga Aga Initiative. And then we had the opportunity to open our first restaurant, which was very exciting. And at the same time, I was also shooting By the Sea with Illy, which is a show on Asian Food Network. And, you know, a lot of things were happening at the same time. And, um, you know, you, they say in your 20s, you have all the energy in the world to do whatever you want and, you know, make the mistakes and learn. And that's exactly what I did. I threw myself into work um, without a blink of an eye, without even a pause. And then that's when I think things went a little bit south. Was there like a breaking point for you? It was, I think it was um, multifaceted and um, it, it started off with uh, me feeling uh, very tired like just exhausted, you know, um, working at the restaurant, you know, from, you know, I would come in a bit later, like at lunch service, but I would have been in the office from like six or seven o'clock in the morning. And then um, going to the restaurant and being there all day and then um, till late at night. And then after finish work, hang out with your friends or, uh, you know, or just try and catch up with like your social life. And I was doing that constantly. And then if I am not at the restaurant or in KL, I would have been on shoots and that would require traveling, right? So I would travel to Indonesia for shoots or to Singapore. Or when I was doing By the Sea, I was in Thailand, in Vietnam. So a lot of traveling, a lot of different locations and shooting you know, sometimes 10, 12 hours, 14 hours outdoors. By the sea was outdoors um, in the hot sun. And, you know, and at the same time, coming back to the hotel room and replying emails and, and still side hustling, you know. So yeah. I started seeing um, the exhaustion first. And then um, also I started um, losing a lot of hair. And then I started gaining weight. Um, even though I was really active, uh, you know, doing 10,000 steps a day on minimum, but I was gaining the weight and I wasn't even changing anything I was eating. I was still eating the same food. And then my moods, my mm. moods started to change. I started being very irritated and uh, hot-tempered and I could feel myself be very unhappy. I was very unhappy. Um... Yeah, so that's that's kind of like the tail signs. But I, I mean, I guess because some of the symptoms do sound a bit like burnout, which is probably, I think, what you are experiencing Correct. as well, right? So at what point did you say like, okay, I need help. It's not something that is sustainable anymore. Um, I think like I really didn't listen to my body at all. Yeah, it was burnout. And I thought, okay, this is burnout. Because a lot, you know, that was kind of like the buzzword that everybody was using as, yep. you know, entrepreneurs. Like everybody's like, okay, make sure that you don't burn out. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I feel like I am burning. Like what is burning out? You know, like is this, is this this feeling? And then what happened next was actually... Um, I started um, kind of having issues with a lot of my friends, my my very close circle of friends. Um, there was a there was a lot of uh, I guess guilt on my uh, on my side for not being as sociable as I used to be or not be as dependable as I used to be. So there was a lot of friendship breakups that happened during this period of time as well, which 
affected me emotionally. So I guess the physical uh, exhaustion came from work and then the emotional exhaustion came from the friendship breakups. And this was like, this was the chemistry reaction that triggered the PCOS. So um, what happened next was my period stopped. This was um, early 2018. I was like, oof, like, this is weird, right? Yep. So I went and saw the gynecologist and then, you know, very simple question she asked me, um, how's my sleep? What, uh, what brings you in? And then I told her, my sleep is really bad. My periods are irregular. And she's like, have you put on weight? You know, because I go every year. So she sees me every year and she saw that I've put on quite a bit of weight. So she's like, yes. She's like, I think you might have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is PCOS. But let's take a blood test and see for sure. And then so we took a blood test. And then about three days later, she called me up and she said, uh, please come in. I want to have a chat with you. And that was the first time I've ever heard about polycystic ovarian syndrome. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And true enough, went in. And that's when uh, she showed me the blood test results and it was, uh, insulin was super high. I think my insulin at that time was at around the 36, 38th percentile. So a normal, would, a normal insulin reading would be less than 10. So mine was about three, three to four times higher. And then she did um, a scan and she saw little cysts on my uh, uterus and ovary area. So she's like, okay, these are the signs of uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I think, you know, like many young women, I don't think we know what exactly PCOS is and the information around it maybe has gotten better over the years and it's very new and very recent. So I think maybe could you tell us first, like what exactly is PCOS? And you were mentioning certain symptoms that were that your doctor said were telltale signs that you had PCOS. So what are they? The symptoms vary from cysts in your ovaries, which you can only tell via a scan, whether it's a vaginal scan or an ultrasound. Um, Period irregularities, uh, hair loss or hair growth in sort of your chest area, your face face area, Um, weight gain, Insulin, so insulin, whether your insulin is high or low. Uh, sorry, if your insulin is um, is high. So these are some of the symptoms. There are many other other symptoms, but uh, these are the five, I would say, main symptoms. If you have these symptoms, at least three of them, then you are diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, polycystic ovarian syndrome, it is not a woman's fault, and I have to emphasize this, it's actually a genetic condition. So it's most likely your mother or your grandmother or someone in your dad's side of the family has it. So it's, I just want to put a blanket there that if you guys are feeling like, like how I felt when I first found out that maybe I wasn't looking after myself, it's not your fault. It's actually genetics. And it stays dormant until something triggers it. So in my case, like I mentioned just now, it was exhaustion, physical exhaustion and emotional stress that triggered my PCOS. I have a really good friend of mine who didn't have PCOS until she had her second child. Really, it can happen to anybody. And some of the statistics, which is, um, unfortunately, we don't have the most current one in Malaysia. The last, um, uh, re- the last kind of journal that I read um, that 
calculated how many women actually have it in Malaysia is one out of 10 women in Malaysia. So this is wow. like uh, based in the early 90s. So, you know, we need some funding to do some more research on this, especially in, in Southeast Asia. But one in 10 in 1990 is still very high. I, I can imagine the numbers now. And um, another thing that is also very worrying is uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome in some women 50% of the time, they don't even have symptoms. And I mean, not reasonably so because every woman is different, right? So different triggers could result in like different changes to the body. And then, yeah, it, it's, I think it's very difficult to say. But I think um, you shared a very interesting anecdote, which was that um, after you were diagnosed with your PCOS, you actually developed... Um, endometriosis. So tell me a bit more about that because in the first place, how is it possible that somebody could end up getting both? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have actually three. <laughs> so it's uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I have endometriosis and because of my PCOS, I also have a thyroid deficiency. <sighs> Hormonal. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, no wonder I was going crazy, you know. <laughs> Right, so uh, with endo and endometriosis, like I was only diagnosed in October of last year, and the reason why I was like I was diagnosed with it is because I started having these really severe pains during my period. All of a sudden, you know. Um, so once I got okay, so let's rewind a little bit. So once I got diagnosed, um, I was put on metformin for three months. My period started becoming regular, and I started looking after myself. I wouldn't say that I was being great about it. I tried, okay, because I was still learning about my condition. Um, and then suddenly, like uh, last year, my period started being a little bit more heavier and very painful. And then it got to the point where even when I was not having my period or I would cough or be a little bit, if I was uh, exerting myself a little bit more, I would um, have these sharp pains. And I was like, okay, wait, this is weird. Like, this is not cool, right? So I was due for a checkup anyway. So I went and I saw a different gynecologist. So went to see her and then she was like, oh, I can see that this is why you're, you're having lots of pain. So basically, my ovaries, I have all these little, little cysts, which is the polycystic ovarian syndrome. Very, very normal. And then there was this monster. It was an endometriosis. And the way you can tell the difference is PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, the cysts are white in color un under the scan. With endometriosis, it's black, which means that there is, a, so it's like a fluid that is a blood fluid that has created kind of like a cyst um, on any part of your uterus. So the difference is with... Uh, PCOS is, is a hormone imbalance, right? So the insulin, okay, the perfect way of describing it is if you look at a cup, okay, you have a cup. Your mother, <laughs> which is your brain, is telling you to put the syrup, sugar, insulin, into the cup, okay? So your body is trying to put the syrup into the cup, but it's not going in, it's spilling out. So your mother is keeping telling you, why are you not filling the cup with syrup? I'm telling you to fill it up with cup with syrup. So what happens is all the insulin goes all around your body and then it gets stuck 
into your uterus, basically. Lah. I'm trying to describe it in a way that it's not scientific so people get it. So what happens is then the insulin, uh, it's not uh, metabolized and that's why you gain weight and that's why uh, you get this cyst, okay? Where else in andrometriosis, what happens is that thickening of the lining creates, it's not, uh, it doesn't completely clear out and it, um, there is a growth that gets stuck there, basically. And every month that you have your period, it just grows and grows. I don't know, I haven't read much about andrometriosis and the reasoning behind this, but that's what was explained to me by my doctor. So my andrometriosis was, I guess, um, quite small. Um, maybe in the beginning of last year. And then I guess with stress of work and, you know, um, and just like I was starting to really take care of myself, but I was, it was hard for me to let go of work and things like that and personal, um, personal things that was going on in my life as well. So I guess because of that, um, the andrometriosis uh, started growing and that's when I started having those pains. And um, with endometriosis, for as long as you have your period, it will always come back. That's something I just, I just read also because I think I was trying to understand endometriosis and they said that it develops several years after women get, or people who have the female reproductive system start their menstruation, right? Correct. And I was also reading that I think the causes are currently unclear, but... You, and this is something that you shared also, if it's in your family history, then the chances of you getting it is increased yeah. as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So for, for, for me personally, like uh, my endometriosis, like uh, was, I, I, I was hurting. I saw the guy, it was very fast. So I, I was hurting uh, August and September, October, uh, end of September, I saw my gynecologist. October, she diagnosed me. And then uh, in December, I had it removed. And then I really had to have a really honest conversation with myself and was like, I, 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 I had a show that was supposed to schedule to be shot in December. I cancelled it because I was like, look, um, I got to be real about how I'm, I'm doing, you know. If I go on like this, it's going to kill me, <laughs> literally, because I'll be in so much pain. I'll be miserable. I, I want to live life, you know, life's too short. If anything, COVID has taught me, it's just like life is too short. So, and it's, it's, it's a serious thing because it, it affects your, like as women, right? When you have endo and you have PCOS and you're, you're trying to function as a, a, as a human being, you're trying to do your best at work, at home, with you, you know, I'm a wife now, as as a as a daughter-in-law, as a as a daughter, as a friend. But inside, you are, your your hormones are all over the place. You're in pain. You know, once a month, you 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 struggle for like ten days. You are like completely out of it. You know, you can't move. Um, it makes it really hard emotionally and 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 physically and mentally. It's not great, you know, to be in that condition. So I just had to put a stop to it. And I just told myself, like, look, you need to look after yourself. And that's exactly what I did. I stopped work. You know, I, I told myself, I'm just going to focus on the things that make me happy, which are uh, 
my passion for entrepreneurship. So <laughs> I had to do one business. <laughs> so I just focused on one. And then I just focus on my shows and, and, and doing things like this, you know, being an advocate for polycystic ovarian syndrome and, and being open about talking about women's health and periods and bleeding and, you know, going to, going to the gynecologist and not being ashamed um, and being comfortable in your own skin. Because for so long, like, I had no idea, you know, that this could all happen to me. I was completely oblivious. So, yeah, that's, that's basically my agenda now. <laughs> We're taking a short break. Something Private is a podcast produced on the media publisher Our Grandfather Story. Watch our new episodes every alternate Tuesdays on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast every alternate Thursdays. New episodes will be published first on YouTube and we'll be publishing once every two weeks this season. We've also just launched our new website, so pay us a visit at somethingprivate.fm if you'd like to share your story with us or work with us. Otherwise, you can send us a message on Instagram at somethingprivatepod or email us at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. We're immensely grateful for all the support you guys have given us and we really couldn't have come this far without you. If you'd like to keep supporting our work, become our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash somethingprivatepod. That's patreon.com forward slash something private pod. Now back to the episode. I think one thing that really struck me about you was that you were very open, you're very honest, very candid about sharing about the condition in a way that was very unfiltered. So there were pictures of, you posted pictures of yourself um, in the hospital, you had you know, live videos of yourself answering questions, Instagram lives. Um, you talked about your hair loss. All these conditions are, you know, things that would typically be seen as, I would say, unwomanly, unglamorous, you know, things that women hope doesn't happen to them. And yet you were very candid yeah. about sharing about it. So I'm wondering, and also I think with the whole element of um, when you when you got your endometriosis, the aspect of recognizing that the pain is unbearable and I need to go and seek help. Because I think that a lot of times as women, you are told that you will get menstrual cramps, right? And you're like, okay, just just tahan the menstrual cramp. You will mm. get better like over yeah. a couple of days, take a Panadol. And so I'm wondering what makes you want to show this side to your followers or to the rest of the world? And what do you hope to achieve from it? I mean, ever since I started sharing about my journey uh, about PCOS, I've been getting so many DMs. You have no idea. And it's, it, it's, it's really sad because, you know, we have a culture of, of like, oh, we have to show a front, you know, that we are, we are successful, we are happy, we are, you know, we have everything sorted and we look a certain way. And that's, that's BS, you know, let's just be real about it because not everything is perfect, you know. And I guess when I started talking about it and I started getting a lot of these messages from women who are young, who have no idea about uh, women's health, and they think from from hearing what I say and talking about my symptoms, they think that, oh, maybe they might have what I'm having, which explains a lot. And then you have also, I have a lot of DMs from women 
who are nutritionists and doctors and telling me, encouraging me and, and, and sending me books and sending me articles for me to read, to women who have struggled all of their life knowing that they have endometriosis and PCOS and then, you know, now in their menopausal stage, also sharing their journey, you know, of... Um, and also, of course, the stories of the social aspects of it. So you have this disease that affects women, but you also have the social stigma that is affected with women with PCOS because there is a, there is a big misconception that women who have PCOS can't, who can't get pregnant, you know? And so I have a lot of stories about uh, families being torn apart because... She can't bear women. She can't bear children and being outcast, you know, by the in-laws. So, I just want to create a voice because I have nothing to lose. You know, like uh, I have a very supportive husband, a very supportive family, an awesome doctor who, who you know, is so encouraging. She actually called me yesterday and was like, "Oh, you need to get on this thing," you know. <laughs> So, and I have a really awesome support group, um, which I've started with uh, two other women uh, who, who are sufferers of PCOS. Um, Dina, who was diagnosed with PCOS at the age of 17. She's now, uh, I think, in her early 30s. And Stephanie, who is a pharmacist. And she's the, the, the friend that I said that only was diagnosed with PCOS after her second child. Um, so the three of us are uh, starting, well, Dina is heading it and we are kind of like helping her with the content called My PCOS, I Love You. And basically what it says is what it is. My PCOS, I love you. You don't need to hate it. You just need to understand it. And we are going to be talking about all the icky, yucky stuff. Um, that you probably won't hear from your gynecologist or even some of your girlfriends, but you can have that frank conversation with us. And and there is there is a need for it, you know. Sometimes even talking about your menstrual cycle, you know, there's so many words for period, right? Menstrual cycle la, period la, height la, MC la. I've heard the works. <laughs> so it's like... Yeah, sharp la, <laughs> you know. So there is like, why, why is there so many uh, covers for something that women have been having from the beginning of time? Why are we still hiding behind this, you know? And I just, I just wish that you know, uh, someone like my mom who, um, probably has polycystic ovarian syndrome and never knew that she had polycystic ovarian syndrome and who has been struggling with depression and weight gain all of her life to for me to then get it at 36 years old and then go to my mom and be like, mom, I'm so sorry and now I understand the pain that you have been going through all your life. You know? And she had no idea until I got it, until I was diagnosed. So I don't want that to happen. I don't want women to go through their life um, uh, feeling bad for the way they feel, uh, feeling ashamed for not being able to do certain things that society requires you to do or whatever it is. I just, I want it all to stop. It's the fact that I don't want people to have to go through their life not knowing and thinking that it's their fault. 
that there's something wrong with them. And yes, there is something wrong with you and you can fix it. You can manage it. And there is a way to do it. So that is why, you know, we we created My PCOS I Love You um, because we want to have these honest conversations and, and I'm an advocate for it. I want to know if um, in sharing your story, has there been any backlash? Because I, I would assume that maybe more conservative factions of society might find it taboo to talk about anything related to reproductive, your reproductive system, right? I'm wondering if, yeah, if there's anybody that has called you out for it or any negative reactions that you have received. I mean, the only negative um, thing that I've ever gotten is people have said that I have used my, like, PCOS as a, a reason to, to not uh, participate or get involved or to stop something. And I guess it's with a lot of, uh, I guess, illnesses that you possibly cannot see. Because with PCOS, right, it's very internal. It's yep. it's it's a emotional condition. It's a hormonal yep. condition. It's not like you're yep. bleeding and you, somebody can see a band-aid. You know what I mean? It's a mental health condition. So it's like... So because there's not a lot of knowledge around it, there is not a lot of talk around it, there's not a lot of awareness that a lot of people think that I am using that as an excuse to get out of things. And and I know for a fact that a lot of women who struggle with PCOS and sometimes or endometriosis and sometimes they need to take that day off or that two days off, um, their bosses are probably thinking that, you know, they are just faffing around and taking, you know, advantage. But it's not. It's an actual disease and it's something that needs to be treated with respect like all the other diseases um and the scary part is it affects a lot of women so people just better watch out because their moms might have it their sisters might have it you know what i mean their grandmothers might have it so it's it it's something that that uh that yes it's taboo but i haven't gotten any backlash actually uh a matter of fact, I do get a lot of messages from men who message me and say, you know, Eli, like, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, my wife is going through what you're going through and I just want to say thank you for your content. Uh, I had someone who um, messaged me, a husband who messaged me and said, my, my wife is going in to remove, she doesn't have endometriosis, she has ADO. Another condition where it's really severe that you have to remove your uterus. Um, and, you know, watching your videos together has really encouraged us um, to stay positive, you know, and things like that. So, if anything, no. Uh, and if anyone wants to, to, to say anything to me, I'll just block. <laughs> because, look, I don't need that negativity when I'm trying to help others. So... Yeah, it's if you true. can't, if nobody you can't has do time with it, for that. <laughs> yep. you can move away from my page. It's okay. Yep. I wanted to add on to the point that um, me you, you, you mentioned at the beginning that you have a gynecologist that you regularly visit, right? But I think that for a lot of women who are not expecting having a gynecologist is very rare. Like, nobody's Correct. like, oh, I'm I'm having cramps. I, I oh, This is happening to me. I'm going to pay my gynecolo 
gynecologists a visit. Like, you know, how people would pay their dentists a visit every like maybe six to nine months. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen for, for, for women's health. So yeah. I think it's a huge thing that has to be changed. And even myself also, I, I don't do it because I never grew up knowing that this was necessary, right? This is an element of yeah. my health that I have to pay more attention to. So yeah, I think it's a big it's a big issue. No, and I think it's a you you brought a very interesting point here because uh look, like the minute you have your period, right? You have to start going to see a gynecologist. Maybe not in your early teens, maybe you can do once every two years, but um, you know, once you hit your twenties, so my gynecologist explained to me that your body changes every seven years. Okay? So when you're 17, you're 14, you're 21, 28, and so on and so forth. So when your body changes, things change, right? Your hormones change, your body changes, your cycle changes. Your So you do need to check in, check, literally do a check-in with your, your, your women bits, you know? And there's a lot of um, shame about going to see a gynecologist um, because you are not married. Why? A gynecologist is a doctor. There is a thing called privacy between, <laughs> you know, there is a thing called um, where when you go see a doctor, you know, whatever that is discussed, whatever that is, um, that is checked on is between you and your doctor. But I guess, you know, coming from an Asian culture that, it's not something like you said, like you grew up knowing that, oh, your mom would say openly, I'm going to go to see the gynecologist, right? Correct? You would hardly say that, but your mom would tell you she's going to go see the dentist. Um, but she will never say that I'm going to go see my gynecologist. And, you know, I don't understand why. Um, you know, uh, if you can go and check your teeth every six months to nine months, why can't you go and see the gynecologist? So, I mean, I come from a, I would say, a fairly open family um, and uh, my dad <laughs> grew up with women around him so uh, I never felt ashamed to tell my dad like I've got my period like you know don't bother me um, but I know a lot of households don't have that openness right so me being an advocate and talking about periods and talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome is trying to get my peers who are now bearing children of their own to start having that conversation with their little ones um, when as they are developing and growing and being open about their bits, you know? <laughs> uh, and it's very important. And I want to talk a bit about um, your experiences and your relationship with like your followers because I think that it's quite special, um, something that you share with them. Are there any stories from women that has stuck with you um, or stood out that you thought you know, was interesting or very moving um, that you feel like you can share? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of... Um, okay, so the, I, I would categorize them in in, in, in these, um, I guess, uh, categories. So you have the, the family members who have uh, women in their life who suffer from polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and then... Those are like the men, which I think are really sweet, you know, for them to like reach yeah. out to me and be like, hey, by the way, you know, what you're doing is awesome. Then we also have like the really, I would say the really tragic stories that um, 
they have the social stigma to it. So we have I have women who message me and say, um, you know, uh, I I have I think I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, but I'm too ashamed to go to the doctor because you know I've had sexual encounters before and I I'm not married and I don't want the the gynecologist to to know, you know, or judge me, you know. Which is so sad and, and they beat themselves up because, you know, they had sex out of, uh, out of marriage and now they, because they are suffering, they cannot go and see a doctor to, to be able to find the reasons behind their suffering. You get what I mean? <sighs> Which is very heavy for me and this is why like a lot of young women probably find it very open to speak to me and I'll find them the right doctors that they can go to without any judgment. And then you also have the really um, sad stories of like, you know, like I mentioned before, like um, families being torn apart because I can't bear children. I've been trying for 12 years and, you know, uh, my in-laws don't talk to me anymore. My sister-in-law, my you know nobody on my my husband's side talks to me anymore. So we have had to move states. So you know these are the the kind of stories that um, that are shared with me, and um, it just really does inspire me and keep me going. I feel a lot for I think the the women who come to you and share that they had sex outside of marriage and they cannot approach a gynecologist for help. I'm wondering if. Um, this is a common thing that you experience or yeah yeah I guess um, yeah it's 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 a very common thing and you know like it's it's uh, sex is such a shameful thing and it's like you know um, it's something that 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 is done in 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 the dark and you know uh, behind closed doors nobody talks about it you know like it's just such a taboo but um, it's a very natural thing, you know, yeah. like, um, and I guess when you put religion into the context of it, then it becomes complicated, you know, yeah. and then you put the Asian culture into it, then it becomes even more complicated. So when it's actually a very natural thing and, you know, um, my advice to that particular person who, who messaged me was, look, find a doctor that understands you, you know. Don't go to a gynecologist that makes you feel uncomfortable. If you make an appointment to see a gynecologist and you know, listen to your inner instinct, you know, as a woman, we have that sixth sense, right? If you go into a gynecologist clinic and you feel instantly uncomfortable and you feel like you've been judged, walk out. Find another one. Don't give up. You know what I mean? So use that instinct to find the right doctor for yourself. And, um, you know, that was the best advice I could give her. And I said, because I don't judge you, uh, but I cannot control what other people do, you know, but you can control who you want to see, right? Who will make you feel comfortable. Um, and, and, and that's just it. And I guess, like I said, I cannot change my parents' views on, on all this, but I can try and uh, encourage openness and discussions uh, among my peers who are having children now to have these frank conversations um, about health, especially if they're having girls, you know? Mm. I think yeah, it's absolutely right. I feel like 
it's difficult to tell her. I mean, I think the the best thing we can do is to provide that kind of support and to let her know that there is a community out there that's behind her, you know, no yes. matter what. Yeah, to wrap up the conversation on um, your journey with endometriosis and PCOS, I'm wondering uh, where are you now um, in terms of like your health and like taking care of it. Yeah. So uh, I'm still um, uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, to be honest, and uh, but what I have done is um, after my endometriosis uh, surgery. Um, I really cut down on work, so I'm very picky about the type of work I want to do uh, and the hours I do, um, and I'm focusing more on myself. I, I call it like self-kindness, just be kind to myself. So um, I've completely changed the way I've eat. I eat now, so I don't eat any more processed food. I, I cook everything at home. Because I have more time for myself, so that's what I do. And I'm, uh, I do a little bit of workout. You know, I, I try to do every day, but sometimes I just want to nap. And I, it's okay, I just nap. <laughs> um, and yeah, just trying to have a wholesome, holistic life. What are some pieces of advice that you would give, I guess, to yourself back then and to anybody who's maybe struggling or facing similar struggles that you might have gone through? Oh, wow. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't have changed anything. I really wouldn't change even the burnout and the, you know, the emotional breakups and all that kind of stuff. Like, I wouldn't change anything because it has made me who I am today. So, I, I always say, like, in your 20s, like, I still stand by this. Like, live in a foreign country, explore the world make mistakes, get your heart broken and like really indulge in life because it will it will propel you in your 30s to make the right decisions for yourself. It might take some time. Like for me, it took a bit of time. But I feel like now I am more cautious about uh, saying no. So like in my 20s, if I said no, I'll feel guilty 90% and... 10% I'll feel relief. Now I feel guilty 10% and 90% relief. So because I have truly lived life, you know, um, I lived in the UK, I lived in London, I travelled, I broke up with my seven-year-old, seven-year relationship with my ex. I, um, you know, I, I started a business, I went on TV, like I have no regrets and, and, and that, that is me living life to the fullest. I think maybe too full to the point when, you know, <laughs> I had an emotional breakdown. Um, but the thing is, maybe my strength is different in the sense that I am able to crawl out of it um, and uh, become a better person, I hope, from it. Um, but I, I, I always encourage people, I always encourage young people when I meet them to just like... Just live your life in your 20s and just like do what you got to do, you know. And then in your 30s, that's when you got to take things a little bit more seriously. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then that's when your health also will start dwindling. <laughs> and then uh, then you're like, alamak, um, yeah, I better, I better start looking after myself, you know. Maybe the last thing I want to add is that um, that 
if you are if you think that you know someone or you think that you have polycystic ovarian syndrome or you're struggling with endometriosis and you have all these burning questions like you can always just ask me like i might not have all the answers but i might be able to push you to the right direction you know and um yeah let's talk about let's talk about women's health more and let's um have more conversations about it men and women um you know because it affects us all Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Ili. We hope you guys have learned something new. If these symptoms that we addressed in the episode are things that you identify with, have gone through yourself, don't suffer in silence, please go and seek help from a medical professional, doctor, talk to your friends, your families. If you are somebody who has experienced PCOS or endometriosis and are keen and eager to share your story with us, we have a new website. You can drop us your story on our community tab on somethingprivate.fm. Otherwise, feel free to slide into our DMs at somethingprivatepod on Instagram or email us at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. We are releasing new episodes once every two weeks from now onwards. So I will see you guys in two weeks.